Hey there, welcome to the Productive Podcast. On this episode, we're bringing you a presentation about professional development, where you'll hear from Leah Hale. Leah is the head of digital product at MeUndies. Agile is a powerful software development approach, but have you ever tried to apply it to your professional development? In this episode, we'll look at career growth through the lens of the 12 principles of Agile and share tactics you can use today to start the next iteration of your professional life. If you've ever felt limited by a single, narrow path forward in your career, or just want a fresh perspective on career development, this talk is for you. So now, let's hear Leah's talk, Embracing an Agile Mindset for Career Development. So uh, the initial kind of like name for this talk was Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls, because um, Obviously, everybody loves TLC and loves a little a pun there, but I think the character count was a little too long to get into the title. So now you get to know uh, that's what it is now. So all about kind of embracing an agile mindset for career development. So like Zeke said, I'm Leah. I currently am leading digital product at MeUndies. Digital product sits within our broader engineering organization, and we span UX, UI, product management, and e-com management. Um, that sounds like there's a whole lot of us. It's really a pretty lean team, but we are kind of looking across the digital product from an experience and shopping perspective as well. Um, and I've been with MeUndies for about two and a half years. I joined in July of 2018, um, and it's been a great time. So would love to share just a little bit kind of about like my path in general. I think that is helpful as sort of a preface into this whole conversation. Um, so as you can see, lots of, not really a straight path, lots of points all over the place. Um, so we'll start from the very beginning. I was, I've always been very passionate about communication. Um, when I was little, I would talk to anybody who would listen, including myself, um, and just really love talking to people, reading, writing, all of that. Um, so when I eventually went to school, um, I actually started off at NC State as a communication media major. And I pretty early on learned about graphic design and was really excited and interested in the fact that this was like a new language that I could learn and a new way to communicate with people. Uh, so I went through the design program at NC State. Um, NC State's a research university, so it was a very research-focused design practice, not necessarily fully arts-focused, but we did have a lot of art as a part of it. Um, but when I finished it, I just kind of realized how different I felt from my other classmates. A lot of them were like, I am a designer. Like, they really saw themselves in that identity, and I just didn't. Um, it helped that I also had no job offer um, lined up, so I really didn't know what was next. Um, but I got this really amazing opportunity to actually go on and do my MBA at NC State as well. And I, when I was working on my MBA, I was focused on marketing and innovation management. So similar kind of vein to design, but not really. And I did a lot of work in consumer behavior research, so more like psychology focused, how people think and why they purchase things. Um, and I started to kind of see this overlap between design and, and business and was really interested in that, but still wasn't really sure what the name for that was. Um, even when I graduated from my MBA program. So I was really lucky to kind of get my career start at Deloitte, specifically within Deloitte Digital um, and the federal tech consulting space. If you are not familiar with consulting, there's really no definition to what it means to be a consultant. So perfect fit for me. I've got to define my own career. Nobody really saying like, this is your job and here's what it is. Um, my title was technically business experience designer, which was made up. Um, um, but it was essentially just another fancy name for product manager. And this was where I really first got exposed to Agile and Scrum. And so I, here I am, like, I've just come out of school. I have no experience. I have an MBA, but no experience. 
And I was trying to wrap my head around how products actually get built, but also I was being held responsible for building them at the same time or making sure they're getting built. So really putting the wheels on while driving the car. Um, and I was in that role for about eight to 10 months, I think. Um, and then I just started realizing that I was feeling like I don't have any craft like experience, but I'm kind of responsible for influencing people who do. You know, I was working with designers, working with engineers, and I'm this like sort of pseudo PM in a client services world. And I just felt like, well, who am I really to tell anyone how to work? Um, I should do something where I have a little bit more experience. So I ended up transitioning back over to design um, where I was focused on visual design, which is essentially just the Deloitte digital name for UX UI um, and had just a lot of experience with tons of different clients, lots of different projects, which was awesome. Um, but eventually I got really tired of being consulting. I wanted to be in-house. I wanted to, you know, if you've been on the consulting side and you're interested in in-house, you've probably said like, I just want to work on a product that people actually use or, or optimize. Um, so I had the opportunity to join Clava Grill um, as a digital product designer, um, joined the best team that I'd ever been a part of. And I, that sounds kind of dramatic given that I'd only been at Deloitte, but I'd worked on like 20 different teams at Deloitte because our projects were really quick. Um, so it was just an amazing, amazing group of people. Uh, it was the first time that I'd really seen Agile come to life in the way that I had learned about it in terms of like how we were approaching projects and how we were thinking about things. Um, and it was just an incredible experience to like build really great stuff and, and really get to try things in the wild and get that experience. Um, but unfortunately, I was the only designer at Kava and I really wanted to be on a design team. And I'd also always wanted to live in California. So I was super lucky again, lots of luck along the way, um, found this opportunity to join the team at the Undies, um, starting off as a UX designer with a focus on research. But that role kind of eventually evolved into being a UX UI designer again. And then really now where I'm at today in a digital product role. Um, and I think the reason I've gotten to that role, which is the happiest role I've been in at Meandies, is because of this framework that I've kind of always applied, but never really thought of it as a framework until recently. Um, and it's just been really helpful for me to kind of learn to manage my own career. So before I get into the rest of this, just want to share a perspective that is, I think is good to set the tone for this conversation. Um, this is something that I learned from my mentor, Kevin Tripati, who has supported me since the very first day that I started working and continues to be like one of the most amazing champions for me. Um, I know you're here today, Kevin, so hi. Um, and so there may be things that you disagree with as I go through this presentation, and that is totally fine. Um, I have found success with this, so take what works for you and leave what doesn't. So if we've got facts, uh, we're using facts, and if we've got opinions, we're using mine. Um, last night, I, I all of a sudden had this panic and was like, I wonder who actually said this. Maybe it wasn't Kevin first, and what if it's somebody that I'm like very embarrassed to be quoting? And I guess I don't really know much about this person, but it was actually the CEO of Netscape, I guess, who's credited with this, which I just thought was kind of funny. So anyway, fun, fun quote to keep with you. All right, so now let's talk about the Agile Manifesto. Um, I think it's important to kind of refresh everyone on what the Agile Manifesto is and sort of how it came to be. Um, it was written in February of 2001 at a ski resort in Utah, where I was 17, People came together to have this sort of retreat. They were skiing, eating, sharing food, talking about how they work um, and, and trying to really like envision the future for software development. And they, they left with the Agile Software Development Manifesto. So I am gonna read it to you so everyone can follow along. Uh, we are uncovering better ways of developing software by doing it and helping others do it. Through this work, we have come to value individuals and interactions over processes and tools, working software over comprehensive documentation, customer collaboration over contract negotiation and responding to change over following a plan. 
So that is while there is value on the items on the right, we value the items on the left more. So I think what makes Agile as a methodology unique um, is that it really promotes a model that's based on people and on collaboration and really on like building the organizational communities where you want to work and deliver software. Um, it's really more about transforming the way that we get there and, and improve the experience of doing it. So it's like kind of a, an inception moment of like, let's iterate on this process and like make it feel better to do. Um, and you'll notice there's really no technical specifications listed here, right? It's all about values and kind of restoring this balance between a fixed methodology and, and fluid changes in like essentially the real world. So if you work in tech, which I assume lots of you do, um, you've probably experienced what it feels like to not really be doing Agile. Um, maybe it's like a, some combination of waterfall and Agile, maybe it's fully waterfall masquerading as Agile. Um, and that can be really hard and it can be really frustrating. You have to get buy-in from the organization. If you are a tech team within a broad, bigger company you have to have trust in the technology team. And then you also have to actually have like the individuals who are gonna deliver and build the software together. Um, luckily, there's a little bit more flexibility and kind of this idea of living agile when we apply it to a career management perspective. So I've rewritten the Agile Manifesto. Um, so let's shift our mindset. So we're uncovering a better way of developing professionally by doing it and helping others do it. Through this work, we've come to value passion and growth opportunities over career ladders, experience working over the perfect resume, interdisciplinary co-creation over perfecting your silo, and work, welcoming change over following the plan. So same thing, there's value in the items on the right, but we value the items on the left more. Um, behind the Agile Manifesto, there's 12 principles that are really kind of more tailored to software development specifically. So I'm not gonna make everyone learn all 12 of them if you're not familiar with them. I have translated them into kind of a, a, from a software development to career development perspective. We'll go through those now. So number one, your highest priority is to build a career with valuable experiences. So when I say valuable, um, I really very much do not mean impressive. Um, I mean really taking the time to find value in what experiences you're having. So you don't have to have a forever fixed definition of what valuable means, but every experience you have, you should be using it as a way to inform your definition of valuable. So looking at it to figure out like, where was the value in what I did and how can I make sure that I'm continuing to refine my next choice to get me to the next most valuable place. So there's a lot of different places you can find value. Um, you can find it in the company itself. When I worked at Deloitte, there's the very obvious kind of inherent value of having Deloitte on your resume. Um, but on top of that, there was also just tons of resources at my fingertips. I thought that making federal tech products was pretty boring. Um, but I learned a lot about business development. I learned a lot about just like career management and, and management in general. And so there were there were ways for me to, you know, I've never, ever, ever, I hope ever going to be building federal tech products again. But I definitely learned a lot from that that have continued to push me forward here. We also value in people. Not every job is going to be perfect, um, but you can learn from the people around you and kind of help you start to define, especially early in your career, what makes a good leader and what makes a bad one. Um, and building relationships is not just going to help you with your network in the long term, um, but it's also going to help you with growth. So if you have someone on your team that you know is super smart, but you never make an effort to get to know them, you're really missing out on the valuable experience of learning from that person and kind of what they, how they work and how they've gotten to where they are. And then finally, there's just values in the projects that you do, right? So again, not every project is going to be super exciting. Um, I worked on a de Department of Defense client where I basically just spent hours a day literally just searching for an image inventory of pictures that matched what we were talking about. 
which was super boring. Um, but I also had to learn, and I, and I was also doing design systems at the time, which for lots of people is very exciting. For me, it was extremely boring. But when I moved on to be the only designer, I was able to set that up on my own because I'd gone through the experience of kind of learning how to do it when I had it in front of me. Next up, welcome changing your role even late in your career. So if my career path didn't make it clear enough, um, I don't really care about what my title is at a job. I care about getting paid for the value that I'm bringing to a company as an individual and not really as a job title. Um, I think career ladders are super helpful in terms of like helping you figure out how you're going to get to the next level, but from just like a strictly what's your job perspective, but they're probably not really tuned to who you are as a person and your interests. Um, just because the next role above you says these are all the things that you have to do doesn't necessarily mean that like you actually have to do those things or actually have to go for that role. Um, and also you just have to kind of think to yourself, like what happens if I start getting more senior in this particular part of the product triad I'm in, just because like that's the career ladder in front of me, but I'm just super unhappy. You could be a senior designer or principal designer even and really not love design, but, and just kind of feel stuck. Um, which brings me to another point that being junior is not a bad thing and not something you should be afraid of. Uh, when I switched from product management to design, it was made very clear to me that I was like passing up this promotion opportunity and I was going to be resetting myself. And that was sort of positioned to me in a negative way. Um, but fortunately, I had people around me who were encouraging me not to let my ego get in the way of valuable experience. And at the end of the day, like I really do believe that making that change opened up way more paths for me than staying in a design role or sorry, staying in the product role and just trying to like force my way through it ever would have. Um, doing something new, starting completely over is really one of the most valuable things that you can do. Um, and your expertise in whatever area of the product triad you were in before is still coming with you. So you could be a junior PM, but have been a senior engineer before. And no one's going to be like, oh, you must have no experience. You don't know what you're doing. They're going to know that you're coming with a wealth of information. So if it's going to be making you happy and it's going to be giving you more value in your career in the long term, it's worth it to be junior. Um, implement feedback early, frequently, and continuously. Um, if you don't seek out feedback and implement it, you're only going to get so much better. Eventually, you really are going to hit the ceiling, um, and you can't do it yourself. You, you know, you can try to just read things online about how to get better, but you really need to hear what other people are thinking. Um, and it's how you start to refine and polish your personal value to the business. It doesn't always have to be like, I'm bad at this thing. Teach me how to get better at it. It can be, hey, I like this thing that I think I'm kind of good at. Can you help me get even better at it? So it's going to continue to add value to you as an employee. Um, I can't ignore the fact that lots of people are scared of feedback and it completely is understandable. So something that you can try is asking for feedback from a goals-based perspective. So for example, um, if you, like I was when I more recently switched back into product management, wasn't feeling super confident in my analytics skills, uh, I went to somebody within the company who I knew was really great at analytics. And I told her, hey, one of my goals this year is to get better at this and be better at presenting about analytics. Um, I know if I practice that I'll get there. Do you mind if I just like sit down with you and kind of like run through the stack? And can you let me know if anything shows up that is kind of out of, out of whack or whatever? Um, similarly, you can do that with, with soft skills too. You know, if you have trouble with time management and there's somebody that you work with that somehow manages to get everything done all the time and has a, a thousand things going on, you can also reach out to them and just say, hey, do you think we could get lunch or, you know, think about, talk about ways that, you know, things that I can learn from you to get, make myself better at time management because it's something that I'm trying to work on. 
people love being asked for help. Um, and so, it, and then they also love to talk about themselves. So that's a really great way to kind of like show that you are looking for feedback. You're open, you know something about yourself and you want someone who's kind of more of an expert or more seasoned to help you out. Also, if you have at your job currently um, any kind of like formal feedback processes in place, please take advantage of them and take advantage of them often. Um, I tell my team all the time, especially when I know that they're trying to work towards a promotion that they should be asking for written feedback from their coworkers as often as possible. Um, a, it's helpful to just get the feedback and see it and read it and kind of like understand how other people are perceiving you. But at the end of the day, when it comes up to like, hey, this person's recommended for promotion, if there's no data points to back it up, um, it can be a little bit harder, especially, you know, if you have questions, it's very easy for me now to go through and be like, hey, because, you know, 25 areas of feedback that he's got, he's gotten back from people and it's a lot of it's really great. And the things that maybe he would need to work on are getting even better. Sorry, I need to call you out. That is not a, a situation that's happening right now, but just as an example, um, it really does help you to track your growth over time too. When you can kind of go back and read those things and be like, oh yeah, that did used to be hard for me. That doesn't come up anymore. Uh, perfect your craft, but don't forget to think strategically beyond your role. Um, so it's never not going to be important to perfect your craft, but there is always going to be another engineer, another product manager, another designer, another whatever your job title is, who can backfill your skill set when you leave. Um, craft is extremely important, but it's really not all there is. Um, so strategically evolving your role as it relates to the business you're at or to your long-term goals um, is really what's going to help create value in you as a teammate. Again, remember the highest priority here is to build a career based on valuable experiences. If you are pretty new to working, uh, try thinking about like the 80-20 rule. So spend 80% of your time really getting the reps in, just doing the work, pushing the pixels, pushing the code, whatever your job is. It may be super boring. I hated that phase of working, um, but it's super valuable. And it's really how people start to kind of respect you in that craft and, and take you a little more seriously as you're getting more experience. But the other 20% of the time, you can spend trying to learn more about how you can evolve your role in any business. So maybe that's just getting to know other people across the business who do things completely unrelated to you, but that you look up to. Uh, maybe it is just getting a sense of how the business runs, if there's other areas you're interested in. And also thinking about, you know, kind of as you mature in your career, how can you apply your approach to work to other areas of the business? So for example, maybe your, your core responsibility is to design screens. Um, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. Everyone needs the screens, but it's likely that you use design thinking to get to those final screens. So is there an opportunity for you to use that design thinking framework to kind of disrupt the way your company makes decisions or even to help people think differently about the challenges that they're facing? Um, you do have to be patient with the kind of evolving strategically. You can definitely get good at craft by yourself, you know, really just getting, getting the work done. Um, but getting good at strategy really is about building relationships. So something that I like to do anytime I start a new job and really even just when I'm at a job is to try to think about who here embodies more than just their job title. And I just make it an effort to get to know them and understand more about how they think and how they think about the business and how they think about how their role contributes to not just their team, but the broader goal and mission of the company. Um, and, and really the kind of way that I think about it is people who are using their craft as a currency and that are exchanging that like really valuable craft for opportunities to change things um, and really move the needle within the company. So 
kind of in summary on this one, the better you get at your craft, the further up you can go for sure in your vertical. But as you continue to develop strategically and getting wider and having strong craft skills, you're going to be opening opportunities that are upwards across multiple disciplines. And personally, I really like to have options. Um, you never know when something's going to change or when you may want to have, you know, you may just want to be able to shift and having those uh, strategic kind of thoughts on how you can apply yourself to other businesses is going to help you get there. A team of motivated individuals is more valuable than an impressive company. If you really think about it, the most value that you get out of a job is what you learn from the people that you work with. And that's really important to keep in mind, especially if you're interviewing at a dream company, right? So you actually have a lot more control over this than you think. Um, I just want to start from like the interview itself, right? So as an interviewee, at the end of your interview, everyone always has at least five minutes of questions, right? Like, do you have any questions for us? And you should always prepare questions. Um, personally, I actually, that's something I take into consideration in interviews is what kinds of questions do people actually ask. Um, my advice would be to not waste your five minutes on what's the best part of your job because 90% of the time people will be like, mm, the people, even though the reality is that like maybe they're saying the people because there's nothing else good they can say. And then you're just like, oh, cool, the people, great, love that. It's great to hear that, good culture. Um, Ask hard questions, ask about how decisions get made, ask how, you know, when was the time that they were able to, to shift the way things worked in the company? How are, how was challenge met internally so that you can really get a sense of like what it's like to actually be there and how the people who are, you're going to be working with on a day-to-day, -day, how they feel about those situations and sort of their general perception of the company and the way they can do their work. Um, for me personally, working at Kava was not a great job because Kava was the world's best salad company. It was a great job because I had an amazing team of people that I worked with. Um, everyone was super motivated and curious and passionate and not passionate about Kava, but passionate about product and product development. And it was really one of the first times that I felt like I was able to just bring my skills to the table. Um, but we all had the shared vision of like, let's make this app and this website because they were separate experiences better for the customer and let's make it better for the business. And like, let's just all use our brains to kind of figure out how we're going to get there. So just think about who you're going to be working with and make sure you feel really confident in, in who they are and how they work so that, that you feel good about who you're actually going to be dealing with on a day-to-day. -day. Because even if it's Facebook, right, like you could be at the best team or you could be at Facebook and the perfect job you've always wanted. But if everyone on your team is miserable, you probably aren't going to have a great experience. So it doesn't mean that well-known companies aren't great or that big companies are terrible or you shouldn't like to go to them. I had also a very great experience at Deloitte. Um, just don't let the allure of that company be the reason that you say yes. You should really feel confident in the people. The most efficient and effective way to grow is through interdisciplinary co-creation. I very intentionally did not say collaboration here, even though I know I've said it a couple of times in this presentation so far. Um, I think collaboration is sort of the new innovation. Um, it's this idea that, you know, oh, we're all working together, but really we're kind of all just like pretending like we're on the same team and just negotiating until we all get to walk away with like at least a little bit of what we wanted to begin with. Uh, when I'm thinking about co-creation, I'm really saying like starting at the very beginning of the project and just letting everyone's minds run free. You don't have to ask anybody to apply their skills yet. It's just like, hey, I wanna hear from your brain. I want you to dump your information out, I'll dump mine and let's just see what the parts are. Um, 
so yeah, it really it doesn't matter if you're the best engineer or the worst engineer, quote unquote. Uh, it's really just like how, what are you thinking about? How are you bringing it? And that's also really important in terms of like building relationships and trust. Um, an example of this, and I actually didn't think this person was going to be here, but um, the lead engineer on our team and I were constantly finding we're in these meetings where we def we get along great. But every time we came to these collaboration sessions, like we had both clearly already very much thought about from a product perspective or a design perspective and an engineering perspective, like what we wanted to get done. So we ended up coming to these meetings and we're like butting heads a lot and just like pushing back on each other and, and trying to like negotiate our way down to what we could both agree to. Um, and in the last, I can't remember how many months now, we started meeting weekly for 30 minutes and like between 30 and 45 minutes usually. Sometimes we literally just catch up. Other times we talk about projects that are coming up. Sometimes it's about like the larger kind of longer term vision for what we want to do. Um, and the meeting really has no outcome or no plan. It's just like us trying to speak the same language and, and think about how to move the product forwards. Um, another way that I've kind of applied this at Viandis as well, uh, we had this sort of challenge last year to come up with ideas for how to boost one of our econ metrics. Um, so it was myself, a developer and a former product manager, we just got together and we we're like, put all the ideas we can, as much as we can think of, then let's narrow it down to the simplest ones and then just see what happens. Um, and we ended up blowing the goal out of the water and totally changed the way our customers shop. And, and it would have been super easy for us to be like, okay, I'll go sit at my desk and design it and then pass it over to the developer. You can throw it up on Optimize, we'll be good to go. But using that kind of co-creation mindset really helped us get to the best solution. Working is the primary measure of progress. Um, it also helps if you have working software to show for it. But at the end of the day, the, the most important thing is really just that you're working. Um, like I said before, your role is not always going to be the most amazing. It's not always going to be the most compelling. And you may not even really feel like you have much of an impact on the business. Um, I actually am like kind of very envious of people when they're in that position, especially like earlier in their career, because if you're not responsible for that much from a like business outcomes perspective, that means that your primary responsibility is just to learn. <laughs> and there's so much value in learning. When I was, again, back to Deloitte, when I was there, there were plenty of times I had no projects. I was booked on nothing. There was nothing coming up. And like, you're evaluated on what you do every day at Deloitte. So I was like, oh, I've got to find something. Uh, so I just figured a way into like working through the proposal process. And I learned how to build a pricing model, which is something that like, certainly as a designer, there was no need for me to learn that, but it was just something different to do and something to learn. And now if I really had to do that, I could probably spin it back up. Um, but it also helped me meet new people that I otherwise probably wouldn't have worked with. So just try to plug yourself in when you don't have a ton of stuff on your plate to different areas, because you really don't ever know when that might come back to be useful. Um, if you work in design specifically, it's possible that you are in a situation or you will be in a situation where months go by and nothing you've designed is new on the website or the map that you work on. Or maybe a couple of things are, but it's not like what you really are trying to design. Uh, we're currently in the middle of, of a really big re-architecture project, and that means that development is months behind design oftentimes because it's much faster for us to design the future than it is for them to like rebuild all these things that are very, very critical to get right. Um, so we kind of had to sit in this, uh, even before this, Zeke and I kind of got together and we're like, okay, what skills do we have that we can really keep pushing the business forward and like how we need to be busy and we want to do stuff and make an impact. And between the two of us, it was really research was kind of like what we had to, to bring to the table. So we started trying to help support other teams research and kind of partnering with the CI team and, and helping their, our customer insights team, excuse me, um, help them with their research and, and translate it into a um, 
a lens that's like, okay, well, let's look at it through the site. How can we expand this into touching the, the website experience too? Um, and then also just applying design thinking to other parts of the business and helping run workshops and, and just kind of educate people on how to get out of their like set place if they were. You should be able to maintain a constant pace of growth indefinitely. Um, people always say that it's time to find a new job when you stop learning or you stop growing at the job you're at. And that's definitely true. But I think a lot of times people miss out on the opportunity to look for growth, even if it's not what's immediately in front of them. Um, you should be thinking right now, like, when am I going to tap out of opportunities here? When should I start looking for the next job? Very unlikely that you're going to retire from where you're working today for most people, I would say, in this group. Um, so you should be thinking about what's coming up next and, and making sure that if you if you really love where you are, look for the next opportunity to push you to grow, even if it maybe not as exactly on your career path. Um, if you're adding value and you're getting value from your job, then the company is going to want to keep you around and they will probably find a way to make it happen for you or at least to, to make sure that you do feel like you're, you're wanting to stay there. Um, but sometimes it is time to move on and there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, I think that just kind of keeping this in mind is helpful in terms of making sure that you leave on an upwards trajectory. Um, there's nothing worse, I think, than when people leave a job and you hear someone say like, oh, well, it was time for him to move on. He was miserable. Like, that's not really what you want your last memory of people, the last memory of you to be. Um, so just, you know, try to keep that in mind of like, I want to make sure that I'm leaving in a good place. And so how do I manage my growth moving forward? Um, and I think, again, like, especially if your company does self-reviews and reviews in general, um, use those to think about your long-term goals so that you can apply that to what you want to do next. Um, so and in the short term, right? So like for me, one day I really want to start my own company. So I'm trying to make sure that I'm vocalizing like, okay, great. If this is what I want to do, I need to have more exposure to business development and business strategy and long-term stuff. So making sure I'm elevating that to the right people. Um, just stay vocal about where you want to go, even if it's 20 years away from where you are now. Um, articulate what you want and just be open to any way to get there. The more relationships you build, the more people will be excited to help you. Deliver your best work, even when you think you can get away with less. Um, we're still early in 2021, so I'm sure many of us have committed to keeping a inbox zero, building really clean files, just like doing everything right. Um, and it's definitely one of those things that's very easy to drop out of that, but try not to let the momentum die. Uh, everyone gets tired, obviously, but your work is a reflection of you. And cutting corners really is only going to help you marginally in the short term. Um, I like to think about kind of when you speed through a red light as if that extra one minute, it was really going to change the fact that you already left five minutes late. It, it doesn't get you there any faster. And if you get caught, you're going to end up being way later than you would have been anyway. So just take your time and do work that you're proud of. Um, doing your best is going to mean you're not going to make as many careless errors, and it's always going to reflect positively on you. It's going to be what people really remember. And not only if that's not enough to convince you, you're literally wasting your own time if you rush through work because now you've spent time on something that you're not proud of. So you've not made a valuable use of the time that you spent. And it's also now an experience that you really can't carry with you to talk about ever again, unless someone asks you about a time that you made a mistake. Um, so not that there's anything wrong with mistakes, but just taking your time and trying to do the best you can is. Simplicity, the art of maximizing work not done is essential. Um, I think that this original agile principle written exactly how it is, is perfect. Um, so I didn't change it. And I think that maximizing work not done when it comes to your career is also super, super important. Um, and there's a couple ways to apply this. So one, 
ask for help when you need help. The best way to do less is to ask someone who knows how to do that that you need to do to either help you with it, give you advice, give you direction or gut check you. Um, and that's really, you know, especially if you're like thinking about what's on your day to day, your boss on your plate. If you're a manager, this, and this is something that I am really working on, it can mean delegating projects to other people on your team. Uh, it's really easy to say yes to a bunch of things and be like, oh yeah, yeah, no worries, I can take it on. And then suddenly you have a million things that you can't get done. And you're in the situation we were just talking about where you're not able to do your best work. Um, and it's really going to help you if you're doing things that are really meant for you to do, then you should have the amount on your plate that you need. Um, and then you're going to get better in the growth that you're trying to do, as opposed to like doing work someone else could be doing that would probably be gaining value from doing that work. It's like I said, doing a million times, but here we are. Uh, there's also no one set path to a role. So if somebody tells you that in order to be a creative director, you have to be these seven different types of designers on the way. I would ignore them. Um, there's very few jobs where there's only one path to get there. And also a creative director at a company like Facebook is very different from a creative director at a company where there's maybe 15 people. Um, so you just look at your career path through the lens of your goals and the experiences that you think are truly essential to make you the best option for a role. The point of all of this is not to create a perfect resume. Um, it's really about having a career full of enriching experiences. So don't take a job that someone told you is good if you're not really sure if you think that it's, it's valuable to where you're trying to go. Um, also, just in your day-to-day, -day, pay attention to and edit your process. I am the absolute queen of doing things the hardest way possible and then getting to the end and being like, mm, yeah, I probably could have done it differently. Um, there's nothing wrong with having a messy process as long as you're learning which parts of the mess are productive and which parts are just wasting time. And what I try to do is think about the, the parts of, of a project that really get my wheel spinning. You know, is it, for, and for me, usually that's like writing out everything I know. We're starting a Word doc, just putting everything down as opposed to like, oh, let me read 15 articles. Reading 15 articles does not get me excited in the same way that like writing and doing things does. So I stopped doing that step first. <laughs> Try to get as far as you can with the most productive part and then go back and refine. Um, so yeah, that's really what this one is. This is the best principle ever. Your most fulfilling work emerges from a self-organized career. Um, it's your career. You're the one showing up to do the work every day. You're the one putting the time in. You're learning, you're failing and growing. And you're going to be the most fulfilled if you own that and not somebody else. So for one, don't chase somebody else's resume. Um, the lines on somebody else's resume represent what they want the person reading it to think that they did or to be aware that they had exposure to. Um, it doesn't, very rarely does it acknowledge, and I feel like even people are coached not to say like, worked on a team. Like, well, I'm sure you did work on a team though. So just because the line is there doesn't mean that person had the biggest hand. It doesn't mean they even really directed it. Uh, just focus on you and sort of wh where you want to go. Um, and again, I think people also just highlight the, the like the best things that have ever happened to them on their resume. So keep that in mind as well. Um, also, don't wait to be rescued if you're in a bad situation. Um, for one, you know, if you're just sitting there waiting for someone to pull you out of the job, you're missing out on the opportunity to say, like, is there something valuable I can take away from this? Is there a person that I'm really impressed by? Is there a project that I really want to work on so that I get specific industry experience, et cetera, et cetera? Um, but it can also just mean reaching out to your network. I, I talk to people from previous jobs all the time and not even just to be like, hey, is there something out there for me? But 
to get a sense of more like, Hey, I loved working with you. What are you doing now? Are you loving that? Like what kinds of things are working for you at this job that didn't work for you here? Or like, Hey, we're doing the same. We're in the same exact situation we were in on this project. I can't believe it. Have you been in this again? It just really helps you kind of like work through all of that stuff. Um, so don't wait to be rescued. And then finally, again, like, even though I am not a big fan of the concept of like having an elevator pitch, it can be a really useful way um, to sort of like define yourself as a person instead of fit yourself to a job description. Um, I know for sure that a lot of the things that I do are absolutely not captured on my job description. And there's a lot of things on my job description that I've probably never done. So really, that's just sort of the framework to get the right people in the door, have the right conversations. But your value and the asset that you bring to a company uh, is really what you're you're really working on and trying to refine and bring forward so that they know and are excited to have you. And then finally, reflect on your performance and set goals accordingly. I'm sure that people have experienced this phenomenon of suddenly realizing you've been at a job for a year and a half and you don't really know what you're working towards and you don't really have goals anymore. And you're like, I don't know, should I find a new job? Am I happy? Am I coasting? Um, so something that I think is a very easy takeaway from today, if you do nothing else, um, make a calendar invite for yourself to review yourself at the end of each month. It doesn't have to be a whole intensive review. Just take a, some time to think about like, what did I do this month? How do I feel about it? What do I want to do next? Really think of it like a retro for the month. Um, and even if right now you're saying to yourself, I'm not going to do that because when the event invite comes up, I'm just going to dismiss it and never do it, do it anyway, because you don't know what decision future you is going to make. So if it comes up and you dismiss it, fine, but maybe it'll come up and you decide not to, and you'll um, be able to get some value out of it. So you just really think about yourself kind of as like a free agent in the working world in this respect too. So it doesn't necessarily have to be like, oh, I did great on this project or I didn't. More thinking about it as like, did I accomplish, have I grown this month? Do I feel like what I've been working on is pushing me in the right direction? Do I want to ask for help to get moved in a different direction? Do I feel like I'm accomplishing whatever I've set out to do? Just really just taking that time out is going to be super helpful. Um, and yeah, setting goals. I feel like everyone always says set goals. I also kind of am like, meh, set goals. Um, so I don't take a super, I don't use smart goals or do all of the things that people tell you to do to be tactical. Um, you don't have to. When I first started taking over product work at MeUndies, I had to learn this analytics software and it was like, I knew nothing about it at all, but I literally just wrote the words, use heap and use full story. And I saw them every single day. And so eventually I was like, okay, I'll take a little bit of time to work on heap. And then as I started going through it, I started carving out a little bit more time, then a little bit more time. And then finally, by the end of the year, I was like, I don't need to look at it anymore. I can use heap, we're good. So it was just a, a really, it was the biggest group growth opportunity I had last year. And it was just seeing it really did make me do it. So try to make yourself do it. And that's it. So let's recap the professional development agile manifesto. Um, we are uncovering a better way of developing professionally by doing it and helping others do it. Through this work, we have come to value passion and growth opportunities over career ladders. Um, my answer to what are you passionate about used to be not answering that question. Um, but these days I answer it with living a life that's intentional and fun. So aligning your career path to your values and passions and opportunities for growth um, is going to serve you a lot more than a set career ladder. Two, experience working over the perfect resume. Getting experience on the work you want to do is more important than working at your dream company. And it also might even be better than working at your dream company. It, it either might 
truly be a better experience than wherever you want it to be. Or it might be that the job is so great that you don't really want to go somewhere else. You're happy and, and you just kind of forget about that dream job and maybe it evolves over time. Interdisciplinary co-creation over perfecting your silo. Um, and I really do believe that embracing interdisciplinary co-creation and not just collaboration is going to get you so much farther than being the best designer or engineer or product manager from a craft perspective. Again, don't want to want to make sure I'm underscoring like you do need to work on your craft. You should definitely try to get better. Um, but learning to bring your skills to a team instead of relying on your skills to justify your right to be on the team is ultimately going to be of more value to you. And finally, welcoming change over following a plan. Um, change is happening all the time. You should expect it um, and you should be okay with changing course. There's nothing wrong with that. And resisting it is probably just going to make it more painful to change because it's going to happen anyway. And um, if you're welcoming it, it'll be an opportunity. You're looking at it from a perspective that's positive and you're going to find a lot more opportunity out of it. Um, so that is, while there's value in the items on the right, we value the items on the left more. So when I decided to be a product manager, when I first started working, I really thought I was saying goodbye to design forever. Um, and then I went back to designing full-time. And now I spend most of my time working like a product manager, but I'm also spending a lot of time work workshopping designs and learning about e-commerce management and supporting different functions of the business. Um, my title has changed a million times and it would be crazy to me if it didn't change again. I don't even know if my title really exists at a lot of companies, even though the things that I do definitely do, they're just called something different. Um, but what hasn't changed is that my approach to technology in general is to be design-led and product-driven. And that's really the lens that I use to advocate for my team, to describe my value when I'm interviewing for jobs, to plan and manage product development, and also to look for new opportunities. Um, so if you can identify your approach to your career and use that as kind of your North Star, it really won't matter if your title is senior digital experience guru or CTO or junior engineer or anything. Um, you're going to continue growing against that philosophy you've laid out and all the development that you need will follow. Cool. Thanks a lot, Leah. Um, yeah, thanks so much for presenting. Again, this is the first virtual Product Hive LA presentation and you absolutely killed it. I uh, really enjoyed learning about your background and I especially loved how well you intertwined personal anecdotes into each principle. I think that really made it more tangible than just like an abstract concept. So really enjoyed that. Um, and thank you everyone else too for sort of patiently waiting and not throwing out any questions during the presentation. Um, I noticed none came in through the chat. Um, so if any questions came up to mind, um, since uh, you know the presentation, uh, feel free to just ask them in person now. Um, before you, please also introduce yourself. Um, that way, we will know who we are responding to. Can I also add that if, if you don't have a question, but you just have something to share about agile development or career stuff, like that's totally fair too. I um, yeah, I would love to hear anything. Hey, Leah. It's Kevin. Good, good. To know. This was excellent. So thanks. This was incredible. Um, I really like the, the slide where you went through the sort of the timeline of your career. And I've noticed in there that you really spent a lot of time in-house. Do you, do you, you, know, you, you found something in client service you didn't like or in the consulting world that you 
one move away from even from the agency side. Do you ever see yourself moving back in that direction? Are you happy uh, in that sort of owning the product? And how would you advise, uh, how do you kind of make that decision? That's a great question. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's, I feel like it's harder for me to answer that now than it might've been like a year ago, even. Um, I think I am open to doing anything basically. I think if the right consulting job came back around, I would be like, yeah, cool charge card. And like, go all around, fire the clients down, like, let's go for it. That sounds amazing. Um, but I do really, I think there's something that's like, for me personally, I think, especially cause I am such like a people person and it, I'm more interested really in relationships than I am in craft generally, I would say. Um, I think what's really great about being in-house is that for the most part, like you were developing long-term relationships with people. Whereas like with a client, depending on what kind of consulting you're doing, it could be so much of a shorter time period. Um, I think earlier on, like I, when I first switched to Kava, I was like, oh, I made a mistake. I liked being able to like do everything, right? Like it was like, okay, cool. We're working on an app today and you're doing a website tomorrow. And today it's military. Next week it's the IRS. Like there was so much more. And I felt like my portfolio exploded in that time period. And like, now I'd be like, oh, here's some designs I did that never got on the website. <laughs> like I thought about them really hard and like, I feel good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think for me where I'm at right now, like, because I want to, to do my own thing probably next, um, I think that I would be open. I actually was just telling some of this earlier today. I think I would be open to starting a consulting company. Um, and so that way I'm like, still have like a little bit of both worlds, but I think that honestly, everyone should do both. Like, even if you don't think you would like consulting, like, and also something else I didn't include in here, but I really don't care if people say that it says, oh, you have to be at a job for at least a year. Like I was at Kava for 11 months and it has never hurt me one bit. And when it has come up and people have been like, I see that you were at this job for less than a year. I'm like, yeah, I moved. <laughs> like, I just don't really, and like, if that's really a sticking point for them, I know that that's going to be an issue for me and working there. Like if it's that important to them, like then maybe it's just really not the right fit. That's awesome. Thank you. I have a question. If I am not super happy with my job and I'm trying to do some soul searching, figure that out, but I need to revamp my like portfolio because that's such an important part about getting other jobs, just having good portfolio. How do you like, do you have kind of a general framework for how like you explain how you worked on a project that you think would be appealing to other jobs? Um, I always find myself wondering like, is it better to be concise? Is it better to kind of go into detail about my thought process and and of course, like the outcome, like what is your general sort of take on that? Yeah, that's also a great question. Um, I also, I hate when people say that's a great question. Like, yeah, that's why I asked it. Um, so <laughs> it is a great question. And I think I have two answers to it. So the first one is, um, I think that if you are very unhappy at your job, something that is smart to do um, is really lean back into your network, especially if your portfolio is maybe not in the perfect place. Um, having an internal reference is always going to shoot you to the top of whatever you're trying to like, I, people can say it's not, it is um, going to help. So I think that's a really good starting place. And also just like in the same way, it doesn't have to be people that you have worked with. If someone works somewhere that you're really interested in, like it doesn't have to be right now, but try to get coffee with them or do whatever, do a Zoom with them, I guess. And just like hear more about them and try to also like tell a little bit more about yourself. So they get the idea in their head even. So that's a, like, if you really don't want to do the portfolio at all way to do it. But I try to go with like more is more from a process perspective because I personally feel like my portfolio shines because of how I approach projects and not because of what the final output necessarily was. So I think when it comes to like putting it together, I would just have an honest conversation with yourself of like, 
what do I, what, what do I think the strengths are in the work that I have? And what do I actually want to do when I get to the next job? Because like, if you, I had, there were plenty of projects, especially thinking back to Deloitte stuff where like, I was like, okay, I mean, yeah, I did this whole design system for this client, but like, I will be so sad if I go somewhere and they're expecting me to do that full time. So like, that's not making it into the book. Um, Cause eventually like you really are kind of like auditioning based on what you are, what you have done and where you're strong. So I would say just try to like highlight those areas. Um, and some people really, like when I get people's portfolios where it's like, they've written multiple paragraphs of what they do. Like I definitely read it. I like, you can pretty quickly say like, yeah, this looks good. Or like, maybe this could be refined a little bit better. But I think when people describe what's going on, I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. And I also think that like, personally, just from like hiring people, I think it is really, really good to talk about who else you worked with on the project and like what their contribution was, what you learned from them, how you did that, because, you know, yeah, it's cool to like say that you worked on some very impressive project, but the person reading it knows you didn't do it alone. And it's much, it's a better indicator of like what you're going to be like to interact with if you can kind of articulate how you could step on the team. I have a quick question. It was a small part of your talk, but you were talking about um, like good questions to ask like during an interview. Um, I was wondering if you like, like just kind of expanding on that, if you have any thoughts on like how to identify like good culture at a company that you're interviewing at, or like even just like how to ask about it, like what are like some effective questions maybe in your mind or like some like signs you look for? Yeah, I can give you some examples from when I interviewed at Meandies actually. So when I knew exactly the things that I did not want in my next job when I left Kava. Like there was, and it's nothing on Kava at all. It was just the way the business was set up that I knew like, okay, it's very important to me to at least know, it doesn't have to be the answer that I want to hear, but to at least know how features get requested to the website. Like, is there a process? Can the CEO just say, I want this and now we're working on it? Like, how do you prioritize things? Do you actually prioritize things? Do you feel empowered to do that? So like, I like to at least ask the questions that like, I kind of think of as like the deal breakers to, and again, it doesn't have to be that they say like, oh no, we totally prioritize our own roadmap and it's fully, you know, based on what customers want, but at least knowing like, okay, the CEO has a pretty heavy hand in this. Like, I know what I'm walking into. It's not going to be a shock. Like people are, you know, hopefully they give you honest answers. I think there was a little bit of a mixed bag when I interviewed, but again, just like being aware of what you're going to get is going to help a lot. Um, and I think as far as like specific questions that you want to ask, I, I would also just say like, think about what's important to you from a culture perspective. So if you are a woman, for example, and you're looking at the LinkedIn profile of the company and you don't see a single woman in a leadership role, I would, I have asked that question in a meeting before in an interview before it specifically was like, I noticed there are no people of color or women in leadership roles. What are you guys actively doing to change that? And again, the answer wasn't really anything that I was like super excited to hear necessarily, but the fact that the answer that I got was very honest, I was like, I mean, okay, sure. Like, I guess part of the solution is hiring people like me who are women and people of color. Um, but, you know, and, but getting a sense of like how the company felt and like what kinds of engagements they were trying to do to help uplift people made me feel more confident that I could get there and be successful and not just like get there and take what I needed and then just leave. A big thanks to Leah Hale for presenting. If you learned some things from Leah's talk, be sure to share it with your team or share it on Twitter and mention us at product underscore hive. Sharing these talks is a great way to support Product Hive. As always, be sure to check out all our upcoming events. You can find them by searching for Product Hive on meetup.com. And while you're there, go ahead and join the group so you always get the latest updates. We also have a YouTube channel where you can find videos of all the past talks. Thanks for listening. 
We'll be back in your feed soon, and we'll see you at one of our next events. We'll <laughs>